Hi friends, it is the very first episode of Starting With A Song, and I am so excited that you are here with us today. I'm your host, Amanda Mazzo, and I'm kicking things off with one of my oldest friends, not as in age, of course, I'm a month older than she is, but definitely in the amount of time that we've known each other. Gwen and I met in seventh grade in Noonan, Georgia, and we quickly developed an annual tradition that solidified our friendship. So after experiencing life with her for almost 27 years, I felt like this was a really good place to start. Here's my conversation with my friend, Glenn Tracy. Oh my gosh. We're doing it. We're doing it. Yep. So how do you feel? Um, excited and a little nervous because I don't know what to expect. Right. Same. I think, I, was, I think you and I have talked about this. Like I, I'm not even a listener of podcasts. Oh, I you're not. No, I want to be. And I've talked to friends and I'm like, explain it to me. When do you listen to them? How yeah. does this work? And I've tried. And what I find is like, I get distracted doing something else. But then like, it would be such a good thing to listen to if I were on a run or going for right. walks. So, like I want to be a candidate for podcasts, but right. I just haven't been able to get there yet. I That's interesting. I know. You don't, um, so like on your commute... Or like to me, it was like 20 minutes. Oh. So, and I hate the idea. <laughs> a little mini podcast. I know. And I hate the idea of like breaking it up and being right. like, I have to drive three times in order to finish a podcast right. episode, you know? So right. I just never even tried. Yeah. But today yeah. we're here. Yes. And we're talking about music. The Woo. inaugural, starting with the song. Yeah. You have not heard this yet, but in the intro, which will be preceding this, it says that... I felt like this was a really good place to start because we have been doing life together for almost 27 years, if you can believe it. Yeah. I just kind of want to rewind, like <laughs> take it back. It doesn't have to be a, on a crisp day in December <laughs> of 1980, but like go back with me and you and I met in Georgia, but before that you and I both had moved, moved mm -hmm. around yep. quite a bit. Yep. So tell me like, where did you come from before you got to Georgia, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So I was born in Louisville mm -hmm. and basically after that, my family moved every two years for my dad's work. So yeah. moved to Chicago, which I don't really remember because I was a baby. Gosh, and I didn't even think about that. Like I knew, yeah. I knew Louisville mm -hmm. and then I knew England. Yep. Boston. I didn't know that. What? Or maybe I did. Yeah. I don't know. I'm old. No, it's fine. I mean, <laughs> my hello, it's been 27 years. <laughs> um, Louisville, Chicago, back to Louisville. Oxford, England, mm -hmm. Boston, back to Louisville, and then Noonan, Metro Atlanta, where Mandy and I, sorry, Amanda, <laughs> I call her Mandy. Okay. You know, I think you are, and <laughs> the it's only funny. one. <laughs> yeah, it's funny because like when my friends hear that, they get thrown. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Because you are the only, like not even my fan, well... Now that I'm saying that, I think there are a couple of aunts and maybe cousins that call me Mandy. And my mom calls you Mandy oh, when sure. she talks to me. Yeah. Yeah. She'd be like, how's Mandy? That's yeah. it. Yeah. I know, but it's just us. So sorry. No. Mandy, aka Amanda. That's, no, that's where apologize. we met. And that's basically where we kind of settled per se, because my dad just needed to be close to the airport for all of the travel and international business mm -hmm. he was doing. Um, and then basically... You know, went to high school there. At ah. some point, Mandy stayed at the private school we met at, and yeah. I went to the public school. And then we graduated from high school, and I ended up at Vanderbilt in Nashville, and Mandy was at Belmont in Nashville. I mean, coincidentally, yeah, really, it was it was that amazing. Was not, but it wasn't like we orchestrated that. No, right. not at all. And I, I got to talk about the music part of this because mm. you know, back when it all started, back in the day, <laughs> how did I get 
involved in music and like mm-hmm. my friends and we were very into music mm-hmm. to the point where I remember my dad taking me to school and I'm quizzing him mm. on the producers yeah. and the record label. That's so funny. Cause like of all the CDs, because that's yeah. how I had organized my CD collection. So my dad used time. to do that with Adam, with my brother and me. And that's what I was thinking about through all of these changes is I distinctly remember being in the car with my dad and him telling us about the Allman brothers or telling us that BB King's guitar was named oh Lucille. Gosh. Like, he used to quiz us. And that's why when we were in junior high, high school, I feel yeah. like classic rock was really a thing. It was like cool to be into like Led Zeppelin and the who and stuff. And when I was like 10, 11, 12, like I knew all that stuff because dad had really instilled in us an appreciation for that era of rock. That's cool. So it's funny that you were quizzing your dad. Oh, on like um, Delamitri. Yeah. And like, oh God. Hootie and the Blow Show. No, no. Delamitri, one hit wonder. The one hit wonder, <laughs> right. So, but I'm like throwing it back. I feel like music has changed so much. You're talking about pop mm-hmm. and rock. Then we're talking early 90s, mid 90s. Mm-hmm. Um, graduated high school in 99. Yep. Grunge. Yeah. Oh yeah. Seattle. And then getting into that. Anyway, I know that I'm going to jump around because I just have so <laughs> many, this is just like a rich <laughs> topic for this time in my life. But what I most remember about this time. So you and I met in seventh grade mm-hmm. and I don't remember, maybe you do, mm-hmm. how we started exchanging mixtapes. I don't remember. I don't either. I just feel like it's what people did. It's just what you did. Like if, yeah. there, if there were a holiday or some milestone, it was a gift you gave someone. Mm-hmm. And it was like the most thoughtful. Yeah. Because it took, I mean, if we're talking about mixtapes, like cassettes, you're talking about hours Mm -hmm. sitting down, curating the songs that you want to communicate, Mm -hmm. whatever message you were trying to relay, and then taping everything. Yeah. And I remember I would think about the order, like, okay, (laughs) if you do a high tempo song, then you want to mellow it out with the following song. And then you want to do this instead. And you, I mean, you've always been 2000 times more artistic than I am, but please, even your, I don't remember what they're called now. That's, that's how are you talking uh, about like the, these things are not liner notes, but yes. are you talking about the things yeah, like, like to go in the yeah, like in, in a cassette, yeah. like you would like the track list. Yeah. The track list. Right. Like you do little designs. You'd come up with a really creative name for the, <gasps> the mix. Names. Yes. Yes. <sighs> I know. Man. I know. And, so and you're good. right. They were so thoughtful and personal and sent like sentimental And I think about this all the time, and I know I sound like an old fart, but I really think about it a lot. I just feel like music these days is so ephemeral. Mm. These bands don't have the stamina, the longevity that they did when we were younger. Mm -hmm. People don't treat music the same way. They listen to Spotify, and they kind of pay this monthly fee, and then they come and go. Like, they don't necessarily have this loyalty and... um, like emotional connection to music. And I think a lot of it has to do with that. Like to your point, it was such a project to spend time curating this list and recording it and doing the, you know, the artwork and the list Mm -hmm. and everything. And it was such a gift to get and a gift, you know, it's such a nice thing to give. And I just feel like people don't do that these days because they don't have to, everything is at their fingertips and they can download whatever they want. So why would they ever exchange that? I mean, you could still curate a playlist. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but you're not putting in the time right. and you're not sitting through, you're not pressing record and sitting through the entire three, four mm-hmm. minute song. Right. And, and waiting for it to go. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Um, well, I love it then. I kind of hate it now, even though it's so much more convenient. Just to oh, be I know. Like, yeah. Oh, I want to hear the mm-hmm. song. Everything's on demand. Right. Yep. I do feel that I'm out of touch mm-hmm. with music today. Mm-hmm. And when I started this, I had a couple of reasons for starting this podcast, but I think about myself as a middle schooler and, and even high schooler and how involved I was in music then. Mm-hmm. Um, and then went to, to college to study music. And then it was like, after that, mm-hmm. everything changed. Mm-hmm. You, you know, technology, while we were in college, Napster came along. Yep. Everything started becoming digital. Tower Records went out of business. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was a pivotal time, I think, in the industry anyway. But I think about now, the stuff that I listen to, mm-hmm. I, I don't know how I would even answer the, like answer what my favorite songs are, who I'm listening to, because I'm still listening to music. Oh, yeah. From that time period. Yeah. When I when I ride with you or t- Tony, my boyfriend or other people who have Sirius and they've got the like 90s 2000s and 90s and nine and yep. stuff. I remember every note, mm-hmm. every word to those songs like it was yesterday. And today, again, just going back to this like short-lived nature of music and these musicians, like they, they kind of come and go and you don't have that connection to them. And mm-hmm. it's just amazing that you remember stuff to that degree of specificity and precision from when you were in seventh and eighth grade, you right. know? And I don't want to be that person that's like, I'm living for the glory days. Right. But or like <laughs> youngins these days don't even know, but it's true. But they don't. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, and sorry, the other thing that I think really changed for me is when I was in New York for nine years, I didn't drive. Mm. So I was never in a car to listen to the radio. So that was a real change for me because Mm -hmm. for me to know like what was popular right now, I would literally go to iTunes and look at the top 100 list. Yeah. Because I was like when, like when, I mean, maybe if I were out at a bar or a club or a restaurant or something, I'd hear a song, but like I, I was just out of touch with like what was being played on the radio. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Same. I can't tell you the last time that I listened to straight up radio that wasn't satellite radio. Yeah. And I, Jason, my husband will even tell you, um, because he listens to Sirius all the time. Mm -hmm. I have a subscription to Google Music. It's on demand. Mm -hmm. And you can do playlists like Spotify or something like that, but it's, it also has the capability to go, oh, that's a song that I want to hear right now. Yes. And I want to pull it up right now. I want to hear that or hear this album or whatever. And Mm -hmm. I have that capability to do. I don't know that I have the patience to sit through. I know we're so used to instant gratification these days. And I don't know that that's really a great thing, but yeah, this is where we are. Yeah. So you talked about, I'm going to go back again. Mm -hmm. You talked about how your dad has affinity toward, you know, mm-hmm. he, he had a love for classic rock and tried to instill that mm-hmm. in you and your brother. Mm-hmm. What are your other early memories of music? And I'll even add this because listening to music and having an appreciation for that is one thing that like you and I were performers. Mm-hmm. Oh God. <laughs> yes. Don't remind me. <laughs> yes. Our illustrious career as in in the Heritage School show choir. Yes. We were 
original members. Uh, a trio, my uh, friends. Yes. Now we did, that was, <laughs> that was only first semester. The second semester we gained a fourth, mm-hmm. but for a whole six months, yep. we were a trio. Yeah. And I, a I, traveling trio. I remember performing at elderly homes. Mm. I, I think that's the PC term. I don't know. We, Assisted uh, living. Yeah, we uh, we would spread joy. Yeah, through song. <laughs> I remember just a few months ago, I told Tony about how we—I think I told you this—how we performed at Universal Studios. Oh yeah, and we were basically just on the side of the street, and he envisioned us as like panhandlers, like we were like, like mugs, yeah, like <laughs> like ninth clink, like ninth graders who just like went down to Orlando, and we were like, please give us money, we'll sing for you. And I was like, no, no, it was more structured than that. It was more organized. Slightly. Yes, yeah. I mean that that was definitely a memory. I would say been <laughs> that to, was a memory. It was a memory. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> um, I've been to every type of school under the sun, as mm-hmm. you know. I've been to twelve schools in my life from all that moving around, including Catholic schools. So mm-hmm. we would go to mass before school. Mm-hmm. And for me, and I know for you too, like growing up in churches, like hymns and yeah. church songs were, you know, early memories too. I remember, you know, living in England and watching, I think it's called Top of the Pops with my mom, which is kind of like a top 40 music show. Uh-huh. And then listening to, um, her name's Kim Wilde in the car with her. She's the one who does like Betty Davis eyes. I may have messed that up. Um, and like, um, who's the one who, who sings been around the world and I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, I want to say it's Robin and it's not, no, it's not we're talking like, like much older that those songs have yeah. like very specific memories mm-hmm. of like very specific years and times. That's right. like when we were in England, you know, oh, wow. it was, yeah. yeah. And like, I remember my mom listening to that in the car. And it, what's funny is now that I'm almost 39, I mean, my parents were around that age then. And I'm like, that's like, if I were to have kids and be playing Ariana Grande for them or whatever, right. I would, I would listen to these days, you know, like they were, young people listening to popular music on the radio. And that's what I remember. One of my favorite things about music in general, and the I think this is where it gets to be such a powerful force. And I talk about this in the trailer too, but it has the power to time travel. And mm-hmm. it's exactly what you just said. Like yep. you hear a song, it takes you yes. back to a specific point in time yep. where you remember like what you were doing, yep. what you were wearing. You mm-hmm. remember what was happening. Mm-hmm. I think about being in one of the very first places that I remember us living, not the first place, probably the third place growing up, but was a uh, in Lafayette, Louisiana. Mm-hmm. And um, my mom was a school teacher and I was going to school. Actually, she was my teacher for two two years. Mm-hmm. So that was fun. Driving to and from school. I mean, we'd listen to oldies. Mm. So that was my first taste uh, outside of the church, I mm-hmm. think, like hymns and things that we, well, and I went to a Christian school too. Mm-hmm. So we would, we would have sort of a chapel um, singing some of those same songs, but in the car, you know, I'm listening to music from the fifties and the sixties. Yeah. So same kind of thing. And I think back like doing mental math, Uh you know, my parents were my age. I remember when my parents turned 40 right? and that will be me next year. Yeah. So it's interesting. I know that that dynamic. I know the, the specific memories is crazy how music stays with you. Cause like every time I hear Jeff Buckley, I think about, Oh man, like eighth grade geography class or something, or like a lot, like I remember 
and it's very it's very timely. But Alanis Morissette's Jagged Little Pill came out 25 years ago. 25 years. And I remember I was working on the yearbook at Heritage mm-hmm. and someone was playing it or maybe it was 99X that was playing it. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? Fast forward, she now has what, two kids. She's coming out with this like re- like revival tour. Right. And it was 25 years ago. And I remember to the day, like where I was, what I was doing when I heard You Ought to Know for the first time. Man, that whole album yeah. was just awesome. pivotal. Yeah. I mean, that whole time too, it was right in the middle. You had, I mean, a little affair. Mm-hmm. So you had... All these female artists coming up. Sarah McLaughlin. Tori Amos. Lisa Loeb. Lisa Loeb. Yeah. Um, I think this was right. Maybe Liz Fair and stuff. Yeah. They, they happened like earlier. right after that Fiona yeah. Apple. Yeah. But yeah. And this was right around the time where I started writing music too. Mm. That whole time mm-hmm. means a lot to me as well. Yeah. Yeah. Or like, uh, like Ani DeFranco. Oh, I think if yes. someone asked me. Who is your favorite artist of all time? I would say Ani DeFranco. Wow. Big statement. And I remember I was in college on the debate team and we were, I don't even remember where we, where we were going, but we were in a bus mm-hmm. and the debate team was such a fun, interesting group of people because it was very progressive and very liberal and kind of stuff that I honestly hadn't been exposed to before and just mm-hmm. really cool, smart, interesting people. And they were playing um, Ani DeFranco, Little Plastic Castle. Yeah. And I was like, what is this? And then after that, I started listening to her. And I remember I studied abroad and I bought all of her albums. They were CDs at the time. Mm -hmm. I would go to whatever the store was called in Madrid and buy her CDs. And when I would travel in Europe, I would listen to Ani DeFranco just on repeat. But it was that exposure on that bus going to whatever debate tournament we were going to in the debate club at Vanderbilt that like introduced me to Ani DeFranco. And that would have been... 2001 maybe so it was definitely like after she got on the scene Mm -hmm. I was a late bloomer but I mean it was you know there was a girl that and she didn't have I think she maybe had like this cover and another song that were singles but she had covered 32 flavors oh Alana Alana Davis that's that's what I was thinking yeah. too. Uh-huh. Uh, I don't remember. Yeah. But anyway, that was probably my first mm-hmm. introduction to her music. I didn't know that was a cover at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I was watching um, Austin City Limits. Mm. I used to watch the, mm-hmm. you know, they would come on like late yep. at night. Yep. And I remember hearing that song and going, that's not right. Alana Davis's voice. Who right. is this? Right. And that's, that's where I learned about Ani DeFranco and yeah. started uh, paying attention to her, paying attention to her record label, because I was still really interested in labels at the time. Yeah. So I studied her. Yeah. I mean, just building something like that back then. And... I don't know. In the face of like all the all of the technology changing, mm-hmm. it's it's pretty incredible. Yeah, she's yeah. awesome, and she's someone and she's still who around. she's still around. She just came out with a memoir last year, maybe earlier this year. Um, but she stayed really consistent and true mm-hmm. to who she is, even through you know the span of her career. And I think it's really cool that you know at. 2021 when I was first exposed to her she meant a lot to me and now at almost 39 like she still means a lot to me and I still fangirl when I see her perform live or I see her you know do a live conversation about her book like 
I just, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. I think about, um, what was it called on the bricks? Oh the yeah. Centennial Park. Yep. Over the summer, yes. um, in Atlanta, they did this big concert series, Free. very similar to River Stages, yep. which, which I don't think I ever act- went to, but you've told me a lot about it. I know the, oh man, the legend of River Stages. It yeah. Was so good. And I think what happened, mm-hmm. what happened? I, I mean, I don't even know if they could do that now because Nashville has grown so right. much. But back then, mm-hmm. if you were a college student mm. and you were willing to volunteer, yeah. for like four hours, you got a free three-day pass for two people. That's awesome. So why wouldn't you do it? Right. And I saw so many bands. Yeah. Um, I remember you telling yeah. me that Jack Johnson was not good. Like, I have very oh, gosh, specific memories of your reviews of, of River Sages. The ones I remember, Incubus. Yes. Which I loved at the time. And they just played the Ryman. Did they? hmm Well... This illustrates how out of touch I am right now. It's okay. <laughs> I did not know but that. But they're still on the scene, yeah. which is cool. Yeah. Brandon Boyd. Oh, man. Forever in my heart. So good. <laughs> uh, certain shade of green. It'll stick with me. Yeah. So good. Um, Counting Crows played Rain King, and it just started coming oh, a flood. And I cool. remember that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a neat moment. I remember seeing No Doubt. Nice. But the reason I remember seeing No Doubt play was because Erica Badu played right before them and she stayed on the stage for like way too long really yes and I love her yeah so I was I was into Tyrone I was into like you know all these songs and we're all jamming and then she just kept on and on and on I mean for hours oh my god and it was like okay you have overstayed your welcome get the what is it the hook hook. get the the hook out yeah oh god (laughs) playing the music yeah yeah uh yeah and then i remember the allman brothers nice um jonathan brooke playing on one of the smaller stages do you see john mayer there Uh, i know we saw him in atlanta you know no i saw him at 328 performance hall which is no longer here i know that's where did we go to that i think we went to that together we must have must have yeah Yeah. during college r.i.p pour one out for 328 (laughs) i I will say i know you're a little different on this topic i am ride or die for john mayer i i know sorry (laughs) (laughs) where's that i'm afraid to press because i don't know which sound effect is it this one i'm going to take a chance no crickets uh, sure that works it'll work i remember us driving to atlanta mm. to some show and listening to room for squares and that album holds up it may have been on the bricks i mean probably he was, he was coming out right around that time man every song on that album is so good it's and so when good. people only know him for your body as a wonderland i'm like oh you're missing yeah. so much because that is like the worst song in my opinion like my least mm-hmm. favorite but like i've seen him now two or three times since i've been back in nashville at Bridgestone and he's mm. such a talented oh, musician no no doubt I think he's yeah. his brand has evolved in an interesting way I feel mm. like now he's kind of like this witty jack of all trades he does like the Instagram live videos he actually would be mm. really good at a podcast if he doesn't have one already I just feel like he'd be interesting I'll have my people call him yeah <laughs> yeah exactly so you and I've talked about this a little bit but one of the reasons that I wanted to, that I even started thinking about the podcast in the first place and wanted to pursue it, um, was because I was, some life things were happening and I started paying attention to some patterns. Actually, I don't know that I told you this part, but Mm -hmm. there were patterns in my life that were coming up about references to singing, but it would not be literal singing. It would be metaphorical singing. Mm -hmm. And 
how do we, I had just come out of a conference where the theme was liminal space. Mm -hmm. And it was talking about those hard times in life that we all go through and how do we get through them? Mm-hmm. And how do we sing, mm-hmm. quote, metaphorically sing through them? Mm-hmm. I'm curious because it made me start questioning, like, all these things that I've been feeling when I'm going through the messy middle of life, when I'm experiencing liminal space, the, the that moment between the no longer, like the mm-hmm. past is gone, but it, I haven't quite reached that not yet mm-hmm. point. It, it, I think when you get in those moments and maybe I just get super introspective, Um, And in my head, when I have to kind of buckle down Mm -hmm. and get to work and just be like, you know, I'm just going to get through this, Mm -hmm. but it feels lonely. Mm -hmm. And it was when I started experiencing these patterns and I started hearing these stories and I went through this conference and I thought, oh my gosh, like everybody has Mm -hmm. these moments and nobody is talking about them. And I think it's because it just feels so hard and so heavy Mm-hmm. And you and I were at lunch today and you said the anticipation, the, anticipation, the what if, yep. that's the hardest part. It is. It absolutely is. And yeah. I, I mean, I admit I tend to catastrophize things. Mm-hmm. I don't know if certain people are just wired that way or there's something weird in my subconscious or my, my I past. I do not think you're alone. And it's so funny because when you talk to other people, you know, other loved ones who really know you, they'll be like, that's not going to happen. No, you'll be fine. Blah, blah, blah. But you get inside your head and you really think the worst case scenario. And I am not good with like gray areas. I like things to be very defined and black and white. And I like predictability. I'm not good with like change in the unknown. So I really um, struggle with those areas of uncertainty. But to me, the what if, the anticipation, the not knowing is always 2000 times worse than what actually ends up happening. Even if what ends up happening is not ideal and it's quote unquote a negative experience Mm -hmm. to me, it's so liberating to just know either way versus just ruminate on this for days, months, hours, whatever you're going through. And hundred percent, I think you and I were talking about how I know it's irrational. Like I have very smart people or people who've gone through similar things be like, you know, you could worry all day about this. It's not going to change the outcome. So it's just wasted energy. And I know that, mm-hmm. but I still can't control myself sometimes. In that moment, it's hard to mm-hmm. pull yourself out. I think for a couple of reasons. One, um, and maybe I'm going to generalize here, but I feel like we're we're our own worst critic. Yes. And when you're feeling that anxiety and you're facing the unknown, it's hard to snap out of it. It's mm-hmm. hard to, it, it, it's it's not a logical mm-hmm. <laughs> situation to be in. So it's hard to bring logic right. into it. Right. But how do you get out of it? How do you, I mean, is it something that you just keep telling yourself? Like it's everything's going to be okay. How do you, Yeah. I think, and this is, and this is a hard question. I mean, for me too, it's like, this is that metaphorical singing I'm talking about. How do you keep your spirits up? How do you find joy in your circumstances, even though you don't know what's going to come around the corner? Mm-hmm. And that's, a, I mean, that's a question I keep asking myself. Mm-hmm. And it may be, you know, I've talked to certain people that are like, when I hit a hard time, this is this is a literal song that I cling to. Mm-hmm. And my mom and I talk every day. <laughs> And she'll, she'll text me. We're, we're both terrible sleepers too. So like in the middle of the night, I'll get a text or I'll text her and I'm like, oh, you're up, you know? Mm-hmm. And we just, we send each other songs back and forth. Mm-hmm. Um, 
either a song that for me, I get a lot of out of the lyrics mm -hmm. too. Artists are so cool in that way where they can communicate things that we just don't have mm -hmm. the capacity to talk about or yeah. we don't know how to talk about it, but they've managed to write a song and it just like nails you, Gets in, the you in the feels. Yeah, man. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, this won't surprise you. <laughs> <laughs> Laughing is very therapeutic to me being mm -hmm. just totally silly. And yep. it's, it's a little bit of a distracting and avoiding technique, mm. which I recognize, like I'm not very good with quote unquote, sitting in my feelings mm. and being it's vulnerable. Harder. It's really hard. And even though I know that that's probably the most constructive way to deal with things and it's going to benefit me in the future for me, when I'm going through hard stuff or uncertainty, it helps if I watch something funny or if I listen to music that is upbeat, mm -hmm. energizing, kind of like go get a music, which for me, like I think about this when I run or when I work out, like I can only listen to hip hop because it just motivates me. I it's love the beat and it pumps me up. It's just reminding me just what a gift we yeah. have in yeah. life to have music and we have have people to be living here in Nashville and yeah. be surrounded. And, and maybe that's part of it that I'm just taking it for granted. Right. And that we have so many talented people who are creating on a daily basis and um, how that aids in communication. It's how we connect to each other. Yeah. Um, there's a whole organization that I have had the pleasure of working with that sends musicians into hospitals oh, because yeah. it, it's healing. Oh yeah. I mm -hmm. mean, it just, it's, it's powerful. It's a gift. I, and I just feel really excited and honored to be a small part yeah. of it. Well, and yeah. I mean, you, you do have more than the average bear, a classical background in music. It's been a huge part of your life for a long time, whether mm -hmm. it was just on the side of passion thing or something you studied in school or what we did, you know, when we were in junior high or high school together, you've always been gifted in that area. So it probably speaks to you on a deeper level than the average person. Mm. But I think what you're saying about how music helps us through tough times or, you know, big milestones in our life or just how we remember, you know, specific times and places, or we remember every word to a song. And I think positive music, like upbeat music, whether it's you know, kind of borderline EDM or even like mm -hmm. Ani DeFranco, Little Plastic Castle, like that's such a fun, happy song. Totally. The lyrics are- I love the horns in that. Yes. The oh my God. It's, it's just, just a like fun- a, a, a nice surprise yes. to hear. Yeah. And I always think in that song, she sounds like she's smiling. You know mm -hmm. how you can hear smiles when people are talking or singing? Like she yeah. sounds like that, even though what she's talking about is actually pretty deep and serious. Yeah. So like songs like that make me feel better. I'm super excited to hear, even though I do feel like that's kind of a hard question but I think everybody is going to answer it differently. Yeah. I think you've got people who will cling to faith. I'm genuinely excited about this because I've got friends that don't believe what I believe mm -hmm. and that have been through experiences that I haven't been through. Mm -hmm. So I'm preparing myself to learn a lot here. Yeah. And I'm really excited to hear about what people have to say. Yeah. I was listening to a podcast um, the other day. This is terrible because I don't remember the author's name. I'll put it in the show notes. Okay. <laughs> um, but he just wrote a book and it's called How to Lead Through Distraction. Mm. And I think when our when our, our brains, you know, when we hear that first, uh, I think our brains go to social media. But he was talking about like a slew of all this other stuff that can distract us from mm. what's really important. Mm -hmm. What hit me was how, and I think you, you know, 
you touched on this earlier, talking about just how compressed mm. the season feels mm. and how, and for me, it feels so busy. Mm-hmm. Um, last year I started designating a word for the year mm. and my word for 2019 was brave. This year, I don't have one yet, but I've already been thinking about it because and paying attention to new patterns that are coming up, which is like, slow down. Yes. Be more intentional. Yep. I don't know that you're going to win any awards for hustling 100% of the time. Yeah. And you're not doing anybody any favors if you are worn out. Yep. So. um, And I really think that one of the reasons why deep down I love going to the movies is because it's two hours to sit by myself and dark. not do anything else. Yeah. I can't do anything else. I can't be on my phone because mm-hmm. everyone's going to yell at me. I can't do anything else because I have to focus on this huge screen. And it forces me to be alone and to hit the pause button because otherwise I'm with you. Like always hustling, mm-hmm. overfilling my days, trying to be everything to everyone. Mm-hmm. And that forces me to take a break for two hours. I'm sitting here thinking like as we're talking and how countercultural mm-hmm. that feels and I always remember what you say and maybe we'll cut this out but like it's just mayonnaise yep oh that's fine you can say that <laughs> for some context we're not, we're not curing illnesses I work, I work for it's the parent company of Hellman's mayonnaise dove soap a bunch of big brands like that and we all worked around the clock stressful mm-hmm. I remember I went to dinner with my business school crew I call them the fam you know, very smart people at companies like American Express and L'Oreal and JP Morgan and you name it. And we were all griping about work and talking about how burned out we were. And our friend Lauren goes, you make mayonnaise, you make lipstick, you make whatever else, basically just showing in the grand scheme of things, how insignificant our jobs are and that yeah. we're not saving lives. And I think about that all the yeah, time. Cause it's, it's perspective. Like, oh man, it's such great perspective. Yep. Like, I do too. I think about it too. Just mayonnaise. Okay. Last question. Okay. Because the show is called Starting with a Song, what's your signature song? It doesn't have to be just a song because I know this is a really hard question. Mm -hmm. So it can be like an album or a band. Let's just some musical artist, some form of music that keeps drawing you back in. Mm. Mm -mm -mm. I mean, I love rap. (laughs) <laughs> I love Tupac. Shocking no one. <laughs> and again, Ani is forever in my heart. Mm-hmm. But Rage really gets me pumped up. Rage Against the Machine. You know, I am actually really surprised that we have not touched on that I know. <laughs> I have a memory. And this was, th- this actually marks a specific time for me too, because this was right after a breakup and you had come to visit. There was a period of time you were still living in New York yeah. or you were in Georgia mm-hmm. and you would come up to Nashville mm-hmm. every year. I think it was always it was around New York, like yeah. homecoming yep. or something. Yep. October usually. Yeah. And so somehow I got this invitation to a factory party. Yeah. It sounds so sketchy. But there was a factory in Germantown and um, they had an all-female Rage Against the Machine cover band. Yep. And the girl on drums... She was one of my guitarists. Okay. She went to college with me. So Mm -hmm. uh, that was really fun. Yeah. But I love, and I think they're called, I think they're still around. They're called Take the Power Back. Well, what's interesting is Rage, you know, disbanded and then they became Prophets of Rage, which was Tom Morello and a few other people. Okay. I knew 
that. And now but I did not know they had literally they a, just yeah disbanded. Well, and then he had what like Audio Slave and a couple others mm-hmm. like the spinoff like power bands. But now they have reunited apparently. And a month ago they announced that they were going to be playing Coachella. Which is a little disappointing because I kind of feel like that's a sellout on their part. But if it weren't for everything else at Coachella, I would totally see them. And I really hope that they like expand their tour because, dude, that would be an awesome show. Awesome reunion. I would say Rage is just really good because it gets you pumped up. Their lyrics are smart. They're smart. They're crazy smart. Yeah. I will never forget like being introduced to them. And I remember you telling me that. like, Yeah, Tom Morello went to Harvard. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. You did good. Thanks. Thanks for being on here. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful for you. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> it's not the worst one. <laughs> oh, friends, that trip down memory lane did good things for my heart. I hope you enjoyed our conversation as much as we did. Thanks again for spending some time with us today. You make today better. If you liked what you heard, you can connect with me on Instagram at Artistic Amanda. And you can also subscribe to Starting With a Song on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and soon to be Apple Podcasts. I think that's it for me today, friends. We'll see you back here in two weeks when episode two launches on January 22nd. Happy New Year.